2: The best thing is that it's kind of hidden underneath the screen, so you kind of slide it out with this really satisfying chunk motion, which I just love.
0: More about BlackBerry's return into the good books of the world's tech journalists later, as we discuss the BlackBerry Priv. Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson, and I'm Ian Morris. And apologies for the lack of a program last weekend. I went to Dublin and came back ill. Some people get T-shirts, some people get Guinness or discounted cigarettes and vodka. I got a nasty cold and spent three weeks coughing and spluttering like some sort of uh, victim of the 1600s era plague. Um, that's a bit more dramatic than reality. Uh, I was I wasn't very well. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I'm very I'm very glad to be back. And uh, we're going to start by choosing a story to discuss that got me very excited when the news was released. And despite being over a week old. I'm still going to talk about it because Ian and I are very excited. And that is that the iPlayer has got a pay-to-own BBC store. Now, what is this, you are asking yourself? Well, let me tell you, dear friend and inquisitive speaker. uh, What it is, is the iPlayer, except with all the stuff that's too late to be used on catch-up, that you can pay for instead of having for free. It's the iTunes of the BBC World, let's say. If you want to download the past seasons of Sherlock um, because you've missed the most recent ones or just watched the most recent ones, rather than having to go to a third-party outlet like iTunes or, you know, a shop, you could go to BBC Store and get downloadable versions directly from BBC Worldwide. Now, this is great news on the one hand because, A, it's convenient, B... Uh, well, th- everything BBC Worldwide does goes into fund um, the BBC itself. So, this is just a, you know, probably a slightly more lucrative way for the BBC to make money off its programmes after they have had their initial run. Um, but it does also tie in with the recent. Well, actually, I should pause there. This is the bit where it gets a bit of theory. My kind of philosophy on all this is that I think it nicely coincides with the fact that the new Apple TV um, is going to get the BBC iPlayer for the very first time. And I find these two announcements to be remarkably coincidentally timed because the iPlayer has never been on Apple TV. It's been on a bunch of other platforms. And if I could think of a match made in heaven in terms of two products for a UK television fan, it is... The Apple TV, with its App Store and its in-app payments and what have you, um, paired with a way to buy classic BBC programming from the BBC directly. Now, Ian, I've been speaking for three minutes and 16 (laughs) seconds, according to uh, my little counter here. What's your take on on the store to begin with? And then we'll we'll come back to the Apple TV side of the, the question.
1: Well, it, I suppose it's been needed for a while. Um, I, I guess that people really want to own programs rather than having to sort of rely on iPlayer. Um, iPlayer's has always been quite good, though, because if a show gets a repeat, that automatically sort of triggers it going back on iPlayer. Um, So quite often you'll find that, you know, something that you wouldn't have thought would be available, uh, maybe an old episode of Top Gear or something, will then end up back on iPlayer because it's been repeated on BBC3. But of course, BBC3 is shutting down, so that won't be a thing anymore. Um, It's a difficult one. I I mean, I suppose that like they say and when they, you know, there's the, the... News I've seen, they make the point that people are are very used to paying for BBC programs and and are very happy to do so, and that's fine. Uh, and I also I really like the idea that they're going to keep stuff you bought will be a playable in iPlayer. That's actually a really good idea. Like that's yes. incredibly that's a, that's an incredibly smart way of doing it, and it means that your stuff will be accessible. On any device that supports iPlayer, presumably, um, it, as long as you can log in on it, and I think you can log in on pretty much everything, can't you? Although I, I've got to say, I don't, I don't log in on iPlayer. I don't see the need to.
0: I find that it is quite useful, particularly to, to use one of the features that you kind of just me- mentioned, which is yeah. that things eventually get re- repeats. So you can favorite a program, and every now and again, I will, you know, if I'm just looking for something to watch, and I, I, I want to go on iPlayer to find something old to watch. I log in and I have all of my favourites all there. And every now and again, there's you know, the episode of Top Gear I haven't seen for a while or an old Have I Got News For You, which are strangely v- interesting to watch, even though it's all news-based, <laughs> yeah. um, months or, or even a, a year or two after they were broadcast. And I think that's great. And that does work on plat- from platform to platform. And I think you're probably right that any platform that does support iPlayer, it's, it makes a lot of sense that this would be included. The, sal- the slight downside is that if you think about um, Apple... Then it wouldn't be possible for the BBC to sell its programmes through the iPlayer or the BBC Store on an iPad app without giving Apple thirty yeah, percent. because that- that's that's the that's the agreement Apple has with providers. It's why you can't buy a Kindle book from. Uh, the Kindle store, unless you load it in a web browser and then simply download it through the Kindle app. So I don't it's, imagine app they would do that. But in terms of being able to just play your existing purchases, it seems like a very reasonable thing to expect to happen. Yeah.
1: How can Apple stop you if if you've already registered uh, with the BBC website with a credit card, um, and if there's a button in it and you press buy, I mean, it, would that just get you chucked out of the Apple store? I guess it would. Rather than, I mean, it. it that that but that Apple feature is one of the most controversial, isn't it? Really, um, the, the the insistence that they get a cut from any any purchase in app is sort of silly. Well, um, you say that, but I
0: mean, I think it's kind of become the standard now, and and it's certainly well, it good
1: because Apple's huge and no one has any choice. But it's I, been good. I,
0: I, it's been very good for consumers. But but the whole point of the BBC store is that it's it's aimed to help generate over a billion pounds over the next five years Mm, for the BBC as an entity. And that 30% over the course of five years could equate to quite a significant difference in how soon or how well the BBC can reach that that total and the prices are are a little lower on on bbc than they are on itunes um yeah. there are a number of series here like you can get the first series of sherlock for 7.99 you can get the first series of ripper street for a tenner. i mean I, I haven't watched any of these but they're you know they're very reasonably priced you can get the new series of the hunt 10.99 um whereas you've got something like doctor who series nine which i believe is the current yeah, series yeah um you can buy a series pass for 22 pounds
1: which that's is a, fairly it, expensive. It, it that's what I was thinking. Like that's that's very expensive now. But it is what 12, 13 something episodes, I guess, probably including the Christmas special. So
0: it's thirteen episodes in total. Yeah. yeah. Um So, but the question is, does this not open up to the rest of the world? Can it, you know? Can the UK? Is it just UK buyers? Because I don't see any reason why Doctor Who, which is not legitimately available to uh, uh, the US. Unless it's been broadcast on BBC America or, or something it, like that, yeah,
1: it, it is. Yeah, it's a big deal for BBC America. Doctor. Yeah,
0: exactly. So you know, this this is opening it up to to those customers too, rather than them having to, you know, skirt around or, well, or download it legitimately or. or-
1: Often it's uh, and this is um, I could take you back to the, the, the days of uh, producer choice and what happened to the BBC many years ago, because it has it is a bit sad in a way. But one of the things that changed uh, in the I guess the late 80s, early 90s was that the BBC had to start commissioning a lot more stuff from third party and, you know, pr- uh, you know, Separate companies, independent production houses. Yeah, it's a, it's a um,
0: percent. It's a percentage of their programming yeah, has yeah, to well, go it's out. It's quite a
1: big percentage now as well. Um, and and, um, and so basically that means that the BBC it lost the right to a lot of the shows that it produces uh, or airs or, or at least so things like spooks famously is kudos and um, and that means that they have absolutely no right to sell that I mean obviously they do because they do a deal uh, but that complicates international deals because obviously kudos may opt to sell spooks in the US to a completely different company and they may get a better deal out of that so that's where it gets complicated and unfortunately as with all rights it is a minefield and it's a minefield that does no in no way benefit the consumer, um, and the and obviously BBC just killed International iPlayer, which um, was their idea of be, being a service where you could subscribe for an a fixed amount of money and and watch everything on it. But it wasn't full access to iPlayer, obviously, mm. Um particularly not films because why would you want to, want to sell films back to you know the US, which you just wouldn't be allowed to do. Uh, but it, it so obviously there is a there is an issue. I think. The BBC is under huge pressure to make money, and I think that's I think that is a shame as well. I don't think that um, the constant pressure on them to keep funding things as they yeah, they get they get given stuff to they've got to pay for. They now have to pick up the tab for over 75s to have license fees, which previously the government had paid for, and the license fee now pays for BBC World, which it didn't used to have to do. That came out of a Foreign Office grant. So the BBC is under pressure, and that's this is obviously going to be the result of this and uh, i obviously bbc worldwide hasn't always been the most efficient at making money uh, certainly there's it could do a lot more so i don't i don't object to this i think the i think it's one of those things where the market will decide it's not taking anything away from regular people who who want to just carry on watching stuff on iplayer it's not making their lives any worse and people who want to own something digitally can do so really easily and and the BBC at least does things right. I mean, iPlayer is pretty good, isn't it? I mean, as a, as a video streaming yes. service, it's one of the best.
0: Well, without wanting to uh, go down this rabbit hole to a depth uh, from which not even the sharpest claws uh, on any under-earth uh, dwelling mammal can escape from. That was a weird. That was a weird one, wasn't it? Sorry, it was a bit weird, but hey, I,
1: pulled, I'm used pull,
0: to it. Pulled it off. Um, the BBC store. I wanted to just conclude. It's. I think we we agree that this is a it's a good move and it's probably the first step. They these are currently programs that you're streaming and downloading on on desktops, and we're expecting. I mean, they, they, the BBC has promised that app, mobile, and tablet apps are coming, and we and we expect integration with uh, with with all the popular platforms in in time. But but I wanted to just return finally to yes. the point about the Apple the Apple TV because I think what what Apple is trying to do with the Apple TV and certainly I think this is the first of, of the, all the Apple TVs and I, and I have to say I am going to be doing a review of the Apple TV because I have got one here and I, and I do broadly like it. There are some things that seem utterly baffling to me but but broadly I think it's very, very good. Um, Someone
1: said they didn't like the remote control. How do you find the remote control?
0: I like it but it takes some getting used to. It's right. it's, it's, um, it's a little bit weird and that's one of the quirks that I have is that there are now a number of ways to sort of uh, Bringing contextual menus, or and and that takes a bit of experimenting to figure out, which um, reminded me a little bit of of the Apple Watch. It strikes me that um, there's been a similar degree of thinking that's gone in, because on the Apple Watch you swipe up from the bottom or from the side, and or you press and hold, and there's a number of similar uses you can do on the Apple the new Apple TV remote to bring in things like you know chapter lists or going back to a series, and it takes a bit of learning, but but we will come back to that in a in a review over the next couple of weeks
1: yeah i need to get one really i'll I'll probably do that and then we can have a more informed conversation about it i guess
0: i think that would be a good idea that's that's you know i haven't proposed doing that yet because because you haven't got one yourself no but um but but i think that the bbc bbc store launching on the apple tv would be a fantastic match made in heaven for the uh for, for the bbc i think that if there was a way that that it could somehow enable purchases through that platform and uh Justify the thirty percent cut. Then the amount of content that is on the BBC Store so far is is really impressive, and the prices are very very good. And I think if we can get that in UK homes, that's that's gotta be that's gotta be worth the uh, worth the, the the cost of entry into that market. But we'll come back to it. Let us know what you think of the BBC Store. If you've used it so far, if you have any thoughts on its ways and what not of, of being in its early days, then let us know. Podcast at NateLangson.com. Well, as teased earlier, like a piece of wool on a loom, the BlackBerry Priv is a new product from BlackBerry and apparently it's quite good. Joining me now. Andrew Hoyle, CNET.com senior editor.
2: Hello, how are you? I'm great, thanks. And it's nice to be back, I must say.
0: Yeah, it's been a little while. So, I mean, I'm curious to talk about the new Priv because normally, when when we've talked about BlackBerry products in the past, we've laughed. We've laughed and we've cried simultaneously because they've they've not been very good, and it's always been quite sad that they've not been very good. They they've they've played the Nokia Symbian game for a bit too long, sort of holding on to older ideas, trying to keep them going, and it's never been great. But without wanting to go over the history of BlackBerry, it has released a new product. It's called the Priv. It's an Android-based smartphone. It has a keyboard. And you seem to think that it's brilliant and might be the saving
2: grace or the 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 first step in a brand new, very good direction for BlackBerry. Yeah, I have said that. I've said some big words about the Priv, actually. In fact, I think I said that it could be the saviour of BlackBerry. It could be the thing that returns it. Back to power. Um, I'm not sure whether that at is actually going to happen. It could well be that it's just too late for BlackBerry to do much, but the Priv is a really good start. I think this phone is great, and this phone is basically what BlackBerry should have been doing for the past few years. The main reason, the main reason is, of course, that it's actually an Android phone, Now, BlackBerry 10. The software is basically fine, but people just don't want to use it. It doesn't have the ecosystem of apps and services that people have come to expect from ios devices or android devices and so for the average person on the street they're just not interested in going to this new platform that doesn't have the things they want they want to stick with their android phones or their iphones and that is completely reasonable so now finally blackberry is offering the people something that they want so can you give us a bit of a rundown of the sort of the specs it's got a very powerful processor 18 megapixel camera basically all the things you'd expect from a high-end phone the cool thing as well is that blackberry hasn't moved completely away from its roots it's still got a physical keyboard the best thing is that it's kind of hidden underneath the screen so you kind of slide it out with this really satisfying ka-chunk motion which i just love it brings me back to like those the the flip phones like the motorola razer v3 it's got it's got that movement that physicality which we've completely lost with just you know the slab smartphones it it, it does something a bit interesting it's cool you you kind of look at it and think wow it's different so it's different it's getting you excited it's
0: it's and it's got all the benefits of android in that it's running the latest os is it skinned like the samsung's and htc's of the world very little very little very little so it's quite close to stock android pretty much yeah and and what about as a device? How is it to hold? I mean, does it feel premium? BlackBerry's industrial design has always been pretty good. I yeah, thought.
2: It's, it's good here as well. We've got, we've got metal, we've got carbon fiber. As I say, the screen with this sort of curving at the edge, it looks great and it feels good to hold. It's They're doing a lot of things right here.
0: Now, I suppose the really interesting thing about this is going to be price, because it's in a very competitive market. And as we've talked about in the past, companies who release very high-end Android phones really need to be doing something very special to get them to succeed. Do you know how much this is going to cost?
2: Yeah we're looking around £550 so we are looking on par with the other flagship phones which is a lot and it's difficult to really gauge that I think because on one hand as you say it does have a lot of the high-end stuff it does have everything you'd expect from a flagship phone and then it has some extra cool quirks like the slidey keyboard too you know so those things come at a price on the other hand if blackberry is really hoping to bring people back into the blackberry fold i think it needs to start actually undercutting its competitors not simply matching them
0: i'll be honest i actually didn't know how much it cost when i asked you that just then like, I genuinely didn't know. I think it's many.
2: around there. I mean, so, it, yeah,
0: roughly. That's 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 very surprising. That's that's expensive. That is too expensive. And the thing is...
2: That's as expensive as other flagship phones, though. You can't it is, get... But, the but iPhone com- doesn't even start at that.
0: But companies listen to their employees, and, and BlackBerry has always been a very company-focused... Uh, it, it, companies have always bought Blackberries, like BlackBerry or Windows Mobile back in the day, but now they're buying galaxies and they're buying iPhones and they need to listen to th- what their employees are asking for and, and and wanting and they're not asking for blackberries particularly anymore they're asking for iPhones or Samsungs or they're asking to bring their own devices into the work environment which which is which is great so what exactly is what's blackberry about the priv apart from the keyboard i i can't i just don't know why anyone would say, "Yeah, let's definitely still renew that contract with BlackBerry because you know they're, they're going to give us everything that that our our employees are asking for, like Android and great apps." Well, but 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 it's got a keyboard.
2: I mean, who cares? Well, interestingly, BlackBerry says that it's not really going after the business market with this. This is not trying. It, it is not going to be pushing this on um, IT firms who will be selling it on mass to you know to big companies. It, this is they're going after guy on the street who. Wants a good high-performance phone that's a bit different, maybe, which I think is great because it is definitely different. It, it's caught it's caught people's eye when I've been using it on the tube. People have asked me what the phone is in the same way they did with the BlackBerry Passport, which apparently was a very big seller for BlackBerry. Um, you know, within you know within reason, it's not. the yeah, I mean, Bla- the, with the iPhone
0: in the UK, uh, BlackBerry now has less than one percent of the smartphone market. Yeah, it's under one percent. You know, Windows uh, Windows Phone. Is uh, is around the ten percent in in the UK and, and slightly higher across Europe. So, in terms of what's left of BlackBerry in the UK, it's minimal. It's, it almost feels like the only way it can go
2: is up. I just, I think it is. That is the only way it can go. And it's kind of going. At least if it is going out, it's going out with a bit of a swing, because it's done. The last two phones it's done have both been very interesting. The Passport. Is bizarre it's this completely square phone with this keyboard beneath it and I'm told that businesses really like this thing not because of the security stuff but for actually using Word documents and Excel spreadsheets that you know look really good in a big square screen so great it's done that and then now it's got this where it's gone to Android something very different kind of out of left field for them they've not just clung on to oh well we've, we've always used BlackBerry 10 software it's its security performance is second to none. They don't care. No, they've got Android. They've given people apps back, and they've given people a bit of fun with their phone, and that's good. If they die, mm. then fine. But they've—I think this is a good, a good last chance.
0: I suppose the last thing on this is is that if it does look to be performing very well, you can pretty much guarantee that Samsung will release a phone with a slide-out QWERTY keyboard at some point. And then it makes me wonder, is there enough in the BlackBerry to make it better? You know, Because Samsung's always going to be able to undercut on price. So it's going to be an interesting one to see develop in terms of how competitors respond. And it'd be nice to see BlackBerry influence the market in the way that it used to. But personally, I I would sit on the fence, but largely because of that price tag, I would love to have heard that that was a lot less.
2: Yeah, I'd like to say around £400. I think then it would be a lot more competitive. But then... We are. I think we have to give them a bit of a break. They're they're not a huge company anymore. They don't have the power to be able to put a high performance phone out for for that price. But they're
0: also not making their own software on it now. I mean, they'll be making software on Android, but what I mean is they're not they're not having to build BlackBerry OS ten. They're able to use Android and build on top of it. So, not that that should mean it should you know equal out flatten out. But I don't know. I still think that's.
2: I wouldn't think the amount of work they have to do will suddenly mean that they can shave off £150 per unit off the asking price. I think that's Mm. Going quite far. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know what you have to really do on the phone to change from one operating system to another, but I would imagine it's a fair amount of work. Yeah,
0: it is. It's quite a lot, and 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 phones are extremely expensive to to make. I mean, Apple's margins are very very good, but you know they still cost a hell of a lot of money to to develop and to manufacture. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, have you reviewed this on CNET?
2: Uh, CNET has reviewed it. I haven't personally written our review. I have written various things and done a video. <laughs> Explaining why I think this is a good phone. We are
0: staying on the gadgets topics today. There have been a lot of amazing gadgets that have launched over the last month or so. Um, Some very interesting phones, obviously, from Samsung and and Apple and and others, and HTC. We've talked about recently, Apple TV, obviously, we talked about earlier, Blackberry Priv. Um, But I asked Ian which product he was particularly keen to talk to me about that he hasn't used and he said the ipad pro yeah which i went and uh and 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 had a briefing with apple last week i've had one for a few days now and wanted to talk a little bit about the ipad pro and sort of first impressions really because there's no way of escaping the fact that it's a massive ipad air
1: (laughs) Um, but then so was the macbook right I mean there is an argument, isn't there, that it is the MacBook was a essentially i mean maybe not quite, but sort of a large iPad. What you with about? a keyboard a macbook oh you mean yeah. the new the, the yeah, 12 not, inch uh, yes, little fanless exactly. gold one yes yes that i also bought
0: yes yes it is and and that is one of the reasons i find it such an interesting product so first what i'm going to do is just give you some overall thoughts that i've had over the few first few days of using the ipad pro and then i thought we could talk a little bit about how it compares to some other products and, and what the outlook looks like and i have to say that to begin with, it's very difficult to get away from the fact that it is huge. Like it is a really big product. You would feel very, very aware of using such a large product on the tube, on a train, on a commute. I actually don't think it's a very good device to be using on a commute. It's it's quite big and even with the keyboard, which comes as part of a case, it's an optional extra and the case has the keyboard built in, just like the Microsoft Surface. Which is actually a sentence you can apply to a few features of the iPad Pro, mm-hmm. um, not least the pencil, and the the way that it balances on the on the lap means that it's very very good if you're sitting down or if you are or obviously if you're using it on a table. But if you're sitting in quite a tight space where you have to lean forward, although the device is really well re- weighted, I'm sort of slightly aware that I'm I feel like I'm having I'm holding the. The, the device down by the keyboard a little bit when I'm using it. So it's definitely more of a desk-based device or more of a device where you're showing stuff, stuff to people. Um, I think buying this as your only tablet is definitely not, well, it's certainly not what Apple intended, I don't think, and it's certainly not what I would advise anybody do. Um, the other thing that I find both great and baffling about it is that the the side-by-side app situation is when it when it works as apple intended is very very good because you get the same resolution from the the width of the ipad as the height of the ipad air so when you're using it two apps side by side you're getting the exact same resolution on either um, oh, vertically yes. for either side of the app, as you get if you're using the iPad Air now that in portrait. is cool. Yes, it is, and that's what I thought. I thought I what can a see bloody... from a
1: productivity point of view that it, that would be actually smashing.
0: It's fantastic. It's really good. I mean, I was giving an example on. Um, Uh, um, Bloomberg on the telly the other morning about there was a a story about prices of of houses in London and certain areas and I had that story on the left and I was looking at Google Maps or Apple Maps on the right hand side of the screen and I found my and I was doing that in an evening and I thought actually this is a really good example and I ended up using that on the telly the following morning without even shutting the, the apps down. I was like this is exactly what it was designed for and I'm using this organically wasn't trying to come up with a use case however there's always a however with a lot of Apple products, let's be honest. The problem is is that developers do still have to add code to make those apps run side by side. So it's not as simple as all apps can run. You yeah. have to get them coded.
1: This is this is what I found on the iPad and the iPhone. It, you know, it, uh, uh, the larger iPhone is obviously, again, it's all it's sort of down. I don't know why people don't do it, but particularly on the iPad, you think, oh, it would be nice if that worked and it doesn't which is annoying.
0: Yes, and it, and it's a case. And when it works, it does work very, very well. And you do find that a lot of the popular apps and the apps that you would want to work like that, things like Evernote or, for me, something like Trello, which is a sort of uh, productivity tool, notepads, you know, all that kind of stuff, maps, yeah. a lot of them do run side by side, and it's great. But it is really quite frustrating when you, when you want to use an app next to it and you can't it causes this this bit of thinking in 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 the average person's head i can imagine the average user's head rather of why can i only use these few apps you know yeah. i thought the whole point of this was side by side so i think that needs addressing and i would like to see that improved because it's i can see why the restriction exists but i don't think it should on the ipad pro there's so much screen real estate there that and there's so much power on the inside of the device that even if it did require a bit of dynamic scaling on, the, on iOS's part, that's something that should be done. So it is worth noting that side-by-side side is great when it works, but ain't all apps going to support that, son?
1: Now, I have a question for you, Nate. Have, on, you I... u- have you ever used uh, Duet, the, the app that allows you to use a, an iPad as a second or third screen on your computer?
0: Ah, uh, no, not Duet, but I have got two apps that do exactly the same thing.
1: I'd, yes. I'd be because that's an interesting idea isn't it if you've got like um the pro and maybe a macbook as well you know like you've, you set yourself up there and have a sort of quite cool Workstation kind of thing, and I'm so I I wondered if you tried that. I
0: haven't, but I could see that working as long as it can be done over USB. Because whenever you do it wirelessly, there's always a tiny, absolutely no, a a tiny, a a tiny latency issue, and particularly in office environments where I was trying it, that latency just is enough to mean if you've got like an IM window open, it's fine. But if you're doing anything else, it's really quite tedious. So a couple of other things: the pencil, the Apple pencil, the stylus. Now. There was a lot of criticism around the announcement of the iPad Pro that Steve Jobs had talked about how you know using a stylus? Yuck! No one wants a stylus. But I think realistically, we have to think a few things. One, that was two thousand seven. We were talking about a three and a half inch phone in an era where people <laughs> yeah, were, and no
1: one wants to use the stylus on a three and a half inch phone. That's a that's a no, true fact.
0: It's still true. And and here we're talking about a a twelve point nine inch, thirteen inch tablet that is designed for graphics and graphic designers all use tablets and a stylus on their desks for their graphic design work. So very, very different products. And when you use it, it is weirdly good. And I think the fact that it's not included in the box is a sign that this is an optional extra. You don't need it. But if you are the sort of person who does want to use a stylus, you would buy one. And I'm no artist. In fact, I'm so bad at art. When I was at school, I once had a note sent home from a teacher uh, effectively saying that I was—I can't remember if it was sort of I'm taking the piss or I'm—I'm I'm trying to—I'm being facetious or something—but I was genuinely, and my mother knew this at the time, trying my best. Um, but it was so bad that it looked like I was actually just trying to mess around in an art class. That's how bad my art is. Where um, it's not—it's not just bad. It's—it it looks like I'm trying to wind up a teacher. Bad. So I'm not a good. Uh, judge of of how effective it is as a tool but in terms of things like latency in terms of how it feels to uh, do handwriting on there you know it's a one-to-one um ratio so, you know when you're writing on it and the palm cancellation is is really very good you you can write on it and it it feels like you're writing on paper one of the things i found interesting my my girlfriend uh, kate was telling me that she so she's an artist and she uses a graphics tablet and she said that when she's drawing she often puts a piece of a4 paper over her tablet, so that she actually gets a feeling of drawing on paper as opposed to a smooth surface, which I thought was a really interesting thing that I never would have thought about, not being an artist, but it made me wonder if a future generation of pencil could have some sort of haptic feedback that mimicked how the surface of a tablet actually felt when you're writing. Oh, well, that's when, a good idea. It'd
1: be, be pretty difficult to do that, but I like the idea of it. So you I say that, but we're
0: in, a, we're in a good era of, of haptic feedback and of... Yeah. Um, Uh, uh, force feedback and it strikes me that if apple wants to really develop this as an idea then that's the kind of thing that would allow people to have the feeling of painting on canvas or sketching on paper or you know drawing in blood on on the on the you know the the windscreen of a uh, a car um you know like
1: you i have to say i'm no good at art either but i've always quite liked the way style i feel on um on screens like um with the note and um, b- back when they did one, the Note tablet, that was always really nice to use. Uh, but again, I-, I don't do it for things like that. I mean, you know, handwriting, I, f- I always found quite pleasant on those devices. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I-, I can see your point that would that would make it even better. And I'm sure it's not technically that difficult. Someone will have a patent for it somewhere, won't they?
0: Someone will have a patent, but someone tried to patent, well, in fact, did patent Toast. And I believe in about 2000, <laughs> 2009, uh, in in america oh. so if you know it well, was it
1: granted yes it was granted and so what, what where do i send my money well this is the thing there's a very large difference
0: between having a patent granted and enforcing a patent um i i don't believe any of the popular toast manufacturers of the world are particularly hit um Uh, bothered by this and it wasn't called toast though it was something like you know a a process for the uh, revitalization of of bread via the continued application of heat or something ridiculous like that we'll come back to stupid patents in the future the ipad pro though so far first impressions great um i have an ipad air 2 and i have the um the 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 12-inch macbook that that i bought as a companion to my macbook pro which i thought was 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 fantastic and it has meant that i've i haven't taken my ipad pro from the house because i use it mostly for things like this podcasts and production and stuff and i don't need that on the go so for me buying an ipad pro to keep and use doesn't feel like something I'm in the market for. because It's
1: very expensive, I think. I, I it's mean, not I could... so
0: much the price, because I think if I didn't have the 12-inch MacBook and I didn't have an iPad Air and I wanted something that very capably did the things like, you know, 90% of what I do on both, then I think this, in the Venn diagram of iPads... Of, of iPads and of um, MacBooks, this sits. This has a huge crossover for me. When you apply mm. the keyboard and things, not so much the pencil. I don't think I'd, I'd buy one of those. But um, things like
1: audio editing and video editing, which you do a fair amount of, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not ideal for those. I'm assuming.
0: Well, ideal in as much as you can do it uh, on the move, but it's it's you know it's not it's not. It's not final cut, you know. I spent, you know, this year, last year, I I spent um, nine months editing a um, a sort of a two-hour feature, you know, and that had some, you know, the 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 clips of things are in four figures, you know, it's five cameras worth of stuff, yeah, Um, you know, it's it's hundreds of hours of footage and transitions and effects, and that's still what desktops and laptops plugged into large monitors are for, and the iPad is definitely powerful enough to. Perform multi-streams of 4K editing and real-time transitions and what mm. have you. But in terms of being a replacement for that device, it's not. It's a companion. And that's kind of where I think this really comes into its own is that if you have a MacBook Pro, it, which I do, and it's, you know, a 2,000-pound spec'd-out, top-spec machine, des- you know, that I bought for production and editing and all this kind of stuff that I yeah. can move around, um, this is a great companion to that to do all the things that I use on an iPad for and the MacBook for both at home and at work, without having to buy them both. In which case, the iPad Pro would come out cheaper, even with the keyboard, even with the pencil. You know, the MacBook yeah. was about eleven hundred quid or something. So, you know, from that perspective, I think that's great. But it's um, but it's going to take a bit more use, I think, for me to really conclude how all the features of it perform. But they're certainly the the, the initial takeaway points over the last five or six days. I like the
1: idea of it, but again, I think it suffers from the same thing that, for me, that laptops do. I just hate using laptops. I just hate them. I, but you I, hate
0: everything, mate. You're a miserable bastard I half know. the time. Well,
1: I mean, there is no denying that. But uh, I just, I can't imagine a world where I would, every time I go out and I, do, I work on the road, and it does happen quite a bit. I'm on my laptop thinking, oh, I wish I was on my PC at home because everything about this PC is designed to make it good to use. And and I, I just, I would I, I find that a struggle. But I suspect that the Pro, the MacBook Pro, the, the iPad Pro would be no worse for me than a laptop. So it'll definitely be one I'm interested in trying out at some point soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it'd be interesting to use it with a um, uh, Microsoft Surface Pro 4, which also came out in the UK last week. And yes. they are definitely... Definitely aimed at exactly the same user. But
1: the, but the surface is a much more powerful machine, isn't it? it I mean, is. It's a proper it's a proper laptop class computer. It is, but And that it, makes but, it quite but, a different proposition in many ways it does and i
0: think that actually it brings in its own drawbacks in its own way you know one of the one of the advantages of the ipad is that it is designed for for speed for efficiency for things being very simple and battery um, life crucially well, well exactly all of that stuff's baked into that and where what you know my criticism so far such as the multitasking being very good when it works, but uh, but it, it does create this weird discrepancy that not everything can be multitasked in the same way. You don't have that problem on a Surface because it's a fully-fledged PC and you can multitask just like you would anywhere else, but that comes with its own downsides. So mm. there are pros and cons and they're just two different takes on the same idea and I think that it's going to cause an interesting conversation between people who are in the market for such a device, which do you go for? And a lot of it could just come down to where has your money been invested over the last five years? Has it been in Windows apps? Or has it been in iOS apps? Because one represents greater value than the other if you're moving from an iPad Air to an iPad Pro. Um, yeah,
1: I, I think if Apple could crack... Uh, and uh, Microsoft is doing this to some extent. But if Apple could crack that whole transition between iOS and OS 10 then there might be, you know, there would be an even greater boom, mightn't there? Because if, if, one of the things that excites me most about the new generation of Windows mobile devices is that uh, the ability, um, what's it called, continuum, you know, where you can run a an you know, Office app on your phone and plug it into a screen and a keyboard and get an almost, de- you know, computer-like experience. Um, and if Apple could do something like that, and you know, bring the same functionality, then you might be looking at a, a very powerful set. I mean, it's not like the Apple stores aren't already huge behemoths, but uh, they could be even bigger, couldn't they, if they could nail that?
0: Yeah, absolutely, they, they, they definitely could. Well, let us know your thoughts. If you've been using an iPad Pro, what would you like to know about these products to begin with? Podcast at natelangson.com. If you have any specific questions about it, then uh let me know i'll i'll do some testing for you and i will feedback on the show next week maybe maybe give me a use case your own use case and you're if you're considering buying one or buying one for someone else or you advise other people to buy one um i can i can be your guinea pig i'll put on my finest miniature mammal impression um i don't have a guinea pig outfit um We'll not, for, not from a lack of trying, if I'm honest. Uh, there are many mammals that I would like to imitate on a regular basis for the benefit of listeners. But uh, guinea pigs, not one of them I can physically represent yet. But in terms of my ability to test an iPad for you, I can. Podcast at Um, If any of the last 30 seconds of rambling made any sense to anybody, um, let me
1: know that too.
0: <laughs> because I got lost halfway through and just worked my way through it. Um, Ian, it's been uh, nothing short of a pleasure, my Thanks. friend. Um, um, yeah,
1: yeah, I agree.
0: I would like to say thank you to the 112 people who have given us five-star reviews on the UK store alone. Amazing. On iTunes, that's 112. What an amazing number. Um, you know, I know that in, in many other countries, iTunes stores around the world, um, we, we have five stars in everywhere that uh, that we know of. So it really is amazing. Please keep them coming. Please tell your friends and colleagues. And please, above all, stay happy the world is a dark place but we can inject some love with technology can't we Ian?
1: yes we can I mean, oh. it is a dark and unpleasant place but uh, the people are pretty good
0: yeah they are the vast majority all right then thank you everybody we'll see you next week